It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan, joined this week for the first time in a long time by an actual human in the same room as me, Ross Smith. Hello, hello. Long time no Natter. Yes, uh, a couple of years. I've just been uh, keeping a keen eye on it from afar. Um, how are you doing? Good, I'm very good. Not too bad. Went for a quick pint with yourself beforehand. Yep. It's a one pint pod. Yep, it is a one pint pod. Uh, we discussed what's going on, how we've uh, we've uh, fallen into mediocrity as a club. Yeah, yep, we've done that. And uh... and on the subject of mediocrity, we are also joined on the phone by Fergus Craig. Hello, hello, Paul. Thank you very much. That's fine. Uh, oh, there's Ross arriving on his motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done my it bit. It strikes Fergus. me. It strikes me that Ross is sort of like the Newcastle Natters. Rolando Aaron's in that you know he's a youngster that everyone's been quite excited about for a long time but it, you know he's he's made a couple of promising appearances mm-hmm. years ago but has generally been unavailable yeah I, I just and, like to um, play in the cup really that's what I like yeah, to do yeah there's a lot of concerns about his attitude <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what does that make us? If Ross is Rolando um, Aaron's, I think we are uh, examples of like long-standing examples of the team's uh, mediocrity. Matt Ritchie, We're sort of, oh, is that, that's harsh. Yeah, Jack Colby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, is Jack Colby still at the club? Well, he's still there, he is, but he's not in the just, squad. He's not in the Premier League squad, and he must be. wasn't intending to bring up Jack Colback quite so early. But you were but like, intending to at some point, surely. Well, obviously, it's, you know, I rarely go 20 minutes without mentioning him. Jack Colback, he must still be one of our highest paid players. He'll be on about 40 grand a week. And he's not in the Premier League squad, neither is he on loan anywhere. I mean, I he must he have one of the best in the jobs FA in football. Cup. I'm sure he can. I don't think that means he will. <laughs> no. 
We imagine I don't think he's even playing that. for the reserves. I'd want my money's worth if I was paying someone 40 grand. I'd at least get him to do odd jobs around the stadium. Yeah. Do you think he yeah. has got some sort of like role within the club? Maybe. I'm not, not quite well, sure what it he must, be. He's not even playing for the reserves, but he must have to come in and train. That must be so disheartening. Imagine that. He's sort of getting paid to stay fit. That's quite. I can think of worse things to do. Yeah, but it must be so boring knowing that you're not gonna you're not gonna get yeah. there. Yeah, I think he could have gone. I think Martin O'Neill wanted to bring him to Forest in the summer, and then Martin O'Neill left there, and it mm, just didn't quite nice. work out. But you just think it's like that one. Was it who was it that Sunderland had for? I think a sign from Everton. Oh. um... Oh, God, what's his name? And he was at Man City. I want to no, say Jack Rodwell, but it wasn't Jack Rodwell. It was Jack Rodwell. Was it Jack yeah. Rodwell? It was, it was Jack Rodwell. So he was on like 70 if, grand a week in League One. <laughs> yeah, have you seen the um, the Netflix documentary about Sunderland? Yeah. I've not finished he it He does not come out of that. He does not come out of it well. No. I recommend finishing it. It's very good. Uh, no, he's a real hate figure after that because there's a scene of him in a... Um, treatment room and it said oh I thought you were going to play last weekend and he says not a chance as if like I, I just won't play <laughs> imagine that I, I think it's fair enough that's his job though that is his job yeah and but... he's very well paid for it and he just says nah I'm not going to play if it was any other club I think it'd be it'd be quite galling but it's quite nice to see it happen to them Mm. And it was at the point where they'd like gone into free fall as well. So imagine that, just being told, right, get on that sinking ship. Yeah. Just, no, thank you. Right, we should crack Should we see on. if we can go the whole pod without, talk- <laughs> we see if we can go the whole pod without talking about the Liverpool game? <laughs> just talking <laughs> talk about the Sunderland documentary. Maybe do ten minutes. Does anyone remember Peter Ramage? <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about the Liverpool game. Weirdly, we lost 3-1. I didn't find it that disheartening. Am I? Am I in the wrong? No, but not, not at all. Go ahead, Bros. I, I feel like it's sort of typical Newcastle, though, wasn't it? Where we start off with a lot of promise, score a goal yeah. at Anfield, like opening goal against like a, you know the, this Liverpool team at the moment. It's a great goal, and then it all capitulates. Uh, yeah, I did not see that goal. I thought this game was going to be a guaranteed four or five nil. To the point where I was watching it in a pub, and when that goal went in, the only response... I cheered a bit, but it was mainly laughter that greeted it. <laughs> that shows how expected it was. Well, it was not only, it was not only the fact that we had gone to get ahead against the European champions, but the, the source of the goal as well, and the standard of the goal. Yeah. There were a lot of things that didn't quite add up. Well, rewatching the goal, I remember it being an amazing goal. And rewatching it, it, it looks very slow. And then he just belts it. Mm. The turn is slow, but the pace of the strike is very far from slow. Yeah. It was a thunderbolt. Since his uh, inauspicious debut, that uh, absolute cock-up uh, when Against Williams Arsenal. came on, uh, yeah, when he came on against Arsenal, he's looked all right, yeah, he? and it's made me feel less bad about Matt Ritchie being injured. Yeah, we've needed a left back, was like a specialist left back for about I think six hundred years, 
We've finally got Something one. Something like that, yeah. There they about. <laughs> At least five years. Since Jose Enrique left. I would say. Yeah, which is probably about ten years. Yeah, which is mad. But did you notice with the goal that even he looked quite shocked? Yeah. When it went in, even he was like, oh, fucking hell. Well, I don't think he scores particularly often, so I think he probably did just surprise himself. Mm. No, it's very good. He's one of those people, if you looked at his face, he's one of those people who would not surprise you at all to find out that he was 50 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he is. That could be why he was even more surprised. Yeah. But no, that was a good moment. It was, uh, and of course, you know, there was a little bit of hope attached to that. Yeah, I did. I worried we'd scored too early. I, even though we'd gone one nil up, I, my immediate thought was I would take a draw now, which shows of course, the lack yeah. of ambition I've got. But I thought we were pretty decent and then, I mean, they're the Champions League winners, so it's always going to be tricky. Their first goal, a lot of people have said we were defensively awful for it. We just looked a little bit out, but they don't, it was Mane, wasn't it? And you don't need to give him a huge amount of space. No, he might be the best player in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah. He's certainly up there. Yeah, I mean... I don't feel that bad about it. No. You know, a lot of people... <laughs> I've got, I'm probably... always going to end up talking about... Go on. So go, we should go talk on. about the second goal that they scored because mm. that was... Martin Dubravka didn't cover himself in glory. No. Well, uh, I thought what was really demeaning on. was that... Um, I can't remember who was commentating on it, but they, he said, uh, <laughs> he said the goalies made a mistake there. And I thought, like, how bad is that that they don't even know his name? <laughs> They're just like, the goalie has made an error. Um, I think with most English commentators, though, they don't want to risk attempting a, a slightly foreign name. Dubravka, though, is like, <laughs> yeah. quite... I mean, to be honest, he did everything right in the lead-up to that, like, coming out, smothering the attack. But then, like, I don't understand how it's ended up over him. But, um, well, he yeah. seemed to try and claim it with his belly, which mm. I'm, I'm going to own up here. I'm not a professional goalkeeper. Right. But even I know your main weapon in the job is your hands. Yeah. Use your hands. Mm, I don't know. I don't know how it's ended up there, but it was an absolute gift for him. And it's like, if he's passed the first one into the top, which is basically what he did, yeah. just stroked it into the top corner. That, like, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes as a player, luck's just on your side and it's just ended up really just a gift yeah i would say to be fair to dubravka he did go on to make three or four sort of goal save goal save sounds like i've just made up an american yeah. expression you know what i mean he saved us three or four dubravka goals sounded a little goal bit save. like what a goal sounded save. a little bit like an american commentator there. Yeah. goal save <laughs> <laughs> sorry ross no, no, it's fine. Um, I, uh, I, You've I really upset him for it. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I, um, I, I just thought watching the highlights was um, was really funny because uh, Steve Bruce before it just looked so like browbeaten in his his polo shirt. Just he looked like a sort of um, a stressed dad. Yeah, um, I think. He give, is there a manager in the Premier League at the minute that looks more like a dinner lady and or coach driver? Because Sean Dyche. Definitely up there. Mm. Yeah. No, I think... Yeah, I'd... weird. 
What's the Norwich manager called? Oh, evil Stephen Hendry, Daniel Farker. Yeah. yeah. I think he could be both a dinner lady and a coach driver. No, he, he looks breed, like he lives in know. a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's got a very intense look. Okay. I mean, he might. I'll accept I that. Know. I mean, Norfolk is, like, famously flat, so it's unlikely. Steve Bruce just, um, <clears throat> he always just looks like he, someone who never really wanted the job. Like, he always looks yeah. like he's just like, oh, God, why am I here? What's going on? But as well, he, like, desperately wanted it. And you just think that he does not look a happy man in the job. He's the Boris Johnson of football. <laughs> yeah. for, for, for his whole life, he's wanted this job. And now that he's got it, it's to living hell. <laughs> Or is there much else to talk about in the Liverpool game? Oh, there, there was the um, Lascelles obligatory <laughs> immunity to VAR. We seem to be really lucky this season when it comes to VAR. Because I think yeah, cause we've pa- avoided at least two penalties and had at least one goal that should have, by the letter of the law, been disallowed. Allowed. Yeah, they've officially uh, said now that the Shah... Uh, goal should have been disallowed uh, because of a handball by Hayden. But talk us and, through the yes. Lascelles challenge. Uh, well, who was it that he brought down? But he just Matic. dragged them down. Mm. Yeah, that's right. He just dragged them down, down by the, by the shoulder well. with his. That's right. Yeah, he just. It was so obvious, so clear and obvious to coin a phrase, and he's done that. And, and and he did that mental challenge on Harry Kane with his head. It's like yeah. he's taken a VAR vaccine. <laughs> where I wonder for if some he's reason, just VAR com- doesn't count for him. I wonder if he's committing such obvious fouls that whoever's doing VAR thinks, well, the ref must have seen something to make him not give it because that's too obvious. So we he could have found a loophole around VAR. There's an there's an irony to VAR at the moment where it seems as if they don't want to uh, embarrass the referees by overturning it and the referees don't want to give the penalty in case they're like immediately embarrassed yeah. by being proven wrong. So that it seems to actually be resulting in less penalties, <laughs> which is not what I would have expected. But the levels of embarrassment have come right down since last season. So referees have never held their heads higher. Oh, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's did, been great you, for them. Did you see the, the Watford for them, game? A lot of them are loud and proud. Oh, the Watford-Arsenal no, go game. On. The Watford-Arsenal yes. game, that was... Um, the goal should completely have been disallowed. He had his foot inside the area when the goal kit was taken, and it's just like... That he just he just didn't um, address it on VAR, like, and it seems like a sort of like a te- like a referee, like, no, I've made the decision. It's some sort of weird like Terminator style, like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna fight against this sort of technology. Yeah, it seems uh, it was brought in to clarify things, and it's made it somehow muddier, which is impressive. <laughs> I didn't think that would be possible. I think I think VAR. I mean, we've talked to Dave about this a lot in the past, and he's 
he was vehemently pro VAR and now seems slightly against it. But it's it's not that that's the problem. It's the way it's being implemented. It's just terrible. I think that's the same as I think that's the same as everyone sort of feels. Yeah, Uh, everyone was sort of for it, and now it's the way it's being implemented. A bit like how um, a lot of people feel about communism. It's the communism. It's, it's, not a failure, like it's not a failure of ideology. It's a failure of um, implementation. Yeah. But I think as well, the main problem everyone had with VAR uh, is that it would slow the game down too much because it would always be stopping. But because it's been enforced so badly, that's not happening. So it's, it's kind of worked by not being used. I think it's just another example of, of how you should never ever change anything. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can we can definitely agree on that. I think we all just like saw the Frank Lampard goal against Germany and thought, right, we need <laughs> you know something to change this. And then it's like, but it, because it's everything, it seems like because it's you know it can be anything. That yeah. just seems like it's too much. Because goal line technology that was easy enough to do, and that demonstrably worked. That's mm. just like. The ref wears a watch. It tells him if it's gone in. VAR just seems... It's too complex and nuanced to do. Like, you either have to completely commit to it. What needs to happen is the ref needs to get a watch that tells him if it's a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just the future. They have ten watches going up their arm, (laughs) each one for different things. Yeah. I think that'll work. That's the solution. Sorted. There we go. I think that's pretty much everything on the Liverpool game, isn't it? Well done. Yeah, we've done really well, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just I find it really funny though that um, we lost three one, and yet we're all just going, "Yeah, it was a good game. A lot of positives to take from it." It is weird. Well, the, I, I always talk about Twitter because that's my that's my contact with how Newcastle fans are feeling. And there was a lot of, as always, every loss, a lot of negativity about the game. Uh, there was like, there was people saying, like, cause, because there were some people basically saying what we're saying, which is, well, they are the European champions. They have won every game this season by two goals or more. They are five points ahead already after five games. It's not that bad. And yet some people were saying, well, this is the attitude of why, what that's causing us to lose these games is this kind of attitude. It's like no, yeah, that would that not. would make less sense if we hadn't just beaten Spurs away playing exactly the same way. Yeah, it amazes me though yeah. that people have that attitude when they're walking into a stadium that's sponsored by Sports Direct. <laughs> it just amazes. Me. You would think any optimism would have been. Yeah. Firmly ground out by now. I also um, I listened to the podcast, the last one, and when is the uh, Sports Direct sponsorship coming in? Uh, I'd love that we're to still, happen. We're still waiting. We try to iron out a few details. Fergus wants a bigger mug. It's going to be tricky. Hopefully. Yeah, we want a mug. The, the, the hope is that they will pay for a, a studio in the shape of a mug. <laughs> Recording. Have you got one of those mugs in Canada, Fergus? Uh, no, no. Right. Here's no. the question: <laughs> If um, you really if my country was to, 
Well, you know, sorry. I, did, I, was, I was too preoccupied with the idea I just had. If Mike Ashley was to uh, stay uh, owning our club and was going to pump in, finally, some serious money into the club, but the compromise was that he was going to turn St. James's Park into the Sports Direct Arena and it was going to, the whole stadium was going to be in the shape of a Sports Direct mode. <laughs> How do you think that would go down? With the handle, like the handle like the would tunnel. be like the tunnel. It would be like the media centre. <laughs> I'm for it. And then um, one would go... Things are things are really heating up in the sports direct. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's reaching boiling point. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's good in it. I'd like it. It's a dilemma. The atmosphere is brewing. Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> really echoey games. I'm really enjoying it. I want to see how many more you yeah. can get out of this. Oh, there must be a few more. Gotta be, but. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> just, just have a good think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think if he was going to pump billions in, I'd entertain the idea. Would it be able to go back to how it was once he leaves? Was it permanent mug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, it was. Easy. He's not going to leave. <laughs> He's never going to leave. We keep on getting to this point of thinking there's going to be a takeover and it's never going to happen. I do keep finding myself thinking, like, I sort of, I go running regularly. I'm not in bad shape. At least I'm going to outlive him. That's, all, <laughs> that's the only positive I have as a Newcastle fan at the minute. I'm going to outlive that man. Hopefully I could get hit by a car. If I do, I want Does he to have know. kids? I don't know. Why, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> Which, whether there might be like a Mike Ashley legacy, you know, like a... I think his son-in-law sort of, um, controls. Dynasty. Oh yeah, he must. Yeah, he's got a son-in-law, so he must have kids. He's got a daughter at least. Okay. It's a proper Trumpian right. empire. He's got his own uh, Jared Kushner, who controls right. some of his business interests. And well, from that, that let's to, let's go on to our business interests with these messages. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm still here with Ross and Fergus. Hi guys. Hello. Good break. Hi. Oh yeah. There's a plate of biscuits in the studio here and it's taken a lot of willpower to not just hammer them. But it would it would impinge on the quality of the podcast. Mm. And I'm not going to One of that the uh, one of the early reviews of the Newcastle Natter podcast was a very angry diatribe on uh, us eating sweets loudly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has to be. It has to be pleased properly. Shall we do Twitter questions? Yes, please. We've not had many this week, I guess because we've, we, we do realise we've been quite irregular lately, but I think when you want the best, you have to wait. And unfortunately, sure. we're not the best, but we have quite busy lives. Hmm. Andy Sheldon says, Am I wrong to be feeling that we might actually survive relegation this season based on some, granted not loads of positives from the game so far? Ross? Um, I think that... Uh, I don't know what is going to happen eventually, but I think 
that it's going to be an absolute dogfight this year. And have we got the squad depth? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yes, Andy, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Andy. If you're listening, um, no, I think there has been some positives, and it's good to take that. But it's, um, you know, I think when it really comes down to it, um, I don't know. I don't. I just don't think that Steve Bruce is the manager to get us through that. Um, I don't know that we've got the, as I said, the squad depth. I, I don't know, um, but I know that the the dogfight is going to happen. It's going to be, um, it's going to be scrappy does feel like that already. What do you think, Fergus? I've already said I, I think we're going to survive. Mm. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a pretty similar season to most of the last few seasons. Yeah. I know some of those we did get relegated in. But I, I think, I, I, think uh, I think we'll survive. I'm sort of inclined to agree, just because we don't seem particularly worse than last year kind of think there'll be three worse teams than us even though they're above us i've seen crystal palace live this season and i'll be amazed if they manage to stay up yeah i think there's a few you know i think sheffield united sheffield even united, norwich even though they just had a bad start city i still think norwich could quite quickly fall into that thing of teams figuring out what to do against them I think Norwich will do all right, but I think Villa, Brighton, um, maybe even Bournemouth, although, you know, they're doing okay. But I think there is some mild optimism because we got Steve Bruce and thought, well, we're not going to get anything this season. We've beaten Spurs away. Drawing at Watford's not great at home but then we went behind and came back which we didn't do particularly often last year so we do seem we're more resilient than I thought we'd be I thought we'd just be whipping boys this season there's still quite a lot of unknown quantities as well isn't there yeah Joe Linton and Almiron like if they start firing on all cylinders then then who knows I was thinking on the way here as well looking less and less go on well we've got Andy Carroll and Dwight Gale still to come back as well which I mean it's not top-level excitement. It's, it's slightly exciting. We've got Andy Carroll, the possibility that he <laughs> yeah. might still be a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, we've got, yes, Dwight Gale. There could be, it could be interesting. There could be a point in the season where Dwight Gale gets a few valuable goals. Um, Joe Linton, I think he's had a pretty good start in the Premier League. Yeah, Jurgen um, Klopp was praising him after think, the Liverpool game as well. Yeah, I, I don't think, think he's going to get us 15 goals, but I think he's... No, I handy. think the way he holds the ball up, though, if Almiron didn't look like he was constantly on fire and <laughs> running around looking for some water to throw himself in and was a bit more composed, I think... Jolinton's hold-up play would have got more results so far. You were going to say something about Almiron. Yeah, I think I might have said it a couple of weeks ago in the last pod, but with each game, it's getting a little bit more worrying with Almiron. Yes. It's it's going to come a point where he might not even guarantee himself a start in the team. It's, It's just his, like, Production is really poor. Yeah, it was one of the um, it was one of the write ups of the game this weekend. Was like saying Almiron 
did some good work. Work, unfortunately, most of it was at right back. I think he he um he's not provi- he's not provided any goals or assists. Yeah, he, and uh, he he's one of those players because he runs he runs around so much. You sort of think, oh, he looks busy and exciting, but then if you're sort of tactically aware enough to know what you should be doing, then you shouldn't be running around constantly. Mm. There's a reason why it stands out when a player does that. It's because it's out of the ordinary. I agree. I think, hopefully, if slash when he gets his first goal, he'll calm down a bit. But as well, he was away for playing for Paraguay before the Liverpool game. And he scored in the international break. So at least his confidence is still there in some form. But yeah, oh, I I'm do really agree. for Paraguay. <laughs> <laughs> it is getting a little bit worrying. We've got another question from Andy Sheldon as well. Is FCBs, that's the fat cockney bastard, really seems to have taken off that. Is his entire mm. business model and job description for our managers, you don't need to be the best, just be fourth worst or better? I think essentially, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been anything but that under Ashley. Otherwise, why would you hire John Carver and Alan Pardew and Joe Kinnear? <laughs> I mean, I think that was the problem with Rafa Benitez. He, was, he exceeded that to the yeah. point where it got embarrassing. <laughs> it did make it look like if we weren't careful, we could do well. So that had to be stamped out. Quickly. He'd rather be, you know, the leader than do well. Do you know what I mean? He'd rather be, yeah. like, I'm in charge than... We're doing well. I think there is a bit of that. I think also the season when we finished fifth, or the season after that when we almost got relegated, I think that just made him think, what's the point? Mm. What's the point of trying? Because if you finish too high, your next season's ruined. But then that sort of, that forgets the fact that it's a sports club, Mm. not a a business. Speaking of the season of... uh when we got relegated. Um, are we going to talk about the big the big beef? Oh, yes. We have to speak about this, I think. The, Michael um, Owen has a book out, and he's... What has he said? Because this has passed me by. You've Have you read the entire book? Or just... um, I have not read the entire <laughs> has book. Has anyone? Um, he basically, um, what he said was that Newcastle were... He didn't want to go to Newcastle. <gasps> um, yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> what? He said he didn't want to go to Newcastle. He said that um, basically um, Liverpool came in for him and they um, uh, basically um, Ramadre took an offer from Newcastle that was a lot higher than Liverpool offered 8 million, I think. Uh. Newcastle offered 16 million. So Madrid took the uh, 16 million. He came to Newcastle. And then when he played for Newcastle, he was obviously really good friends with Shearer, stayed in his house. But then on the last day of the season, when they were getting relegated, Shearer asked him to play, and Owen said he couldn't start. Yeah, and that's what happened. I think but then he Owen did play was, that game. I think didn't he? he definitely didn't start. But I think he was saying it would affect his ability to get a contract at another club if he got injured in that. Well, game. that's what Shearer thinks. He why he thinks he didn't want to play. I think that's backed up. But is it Paul Ferris who was up? Yeah, it's only only Newcastle could have their physio. Getting a book published. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? The boy on the shed. It's, I've not read it yet. I've got it at home. Weirdly, it was one of the 
one of the best chosen presents someone ever got me at Christmas. I was like, even I didn't know I wanted this. <laughs> but it's quite a deep cut even for me. So um, uh, I've got it up now and it's... Um, uh, Shearer basically, there was a video of him talk, Owen talking about his last few years of his career and how he didn't really want to be at Newcastle. Mm. And um, Shearer made a sort of snipey comment about that. And then um, Owen came back and said... Uh, um, where is it? He said, not sure you're as loyal to Newcastle as you make out, mate. I distinctly remember you being inches away from signing for Liverpool after Sir Bobby Robson put you on the bench. You tried everything to get out. Boom. Mm. It's hardly yeah. Biggie and Tupac, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't end the same way. <laughs> well, I, um, well. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I don't know, I mean contrarian that I am I think there's a, just a lot of confirmation bias amongst everyone basically Alan Shearer is the Newcastle guard Michael Owen has been for a long time the Newcastle uh, villain so them having a public dispute is not going to go well for Michael Owen and considering Michael Owen is not loved by Liverpool fans either. The only or BT Sports subscribers. Yeah. Nobody it's, loves Michael know, it's Owen. It's not going to go really. well for him. No set of fans seem to they? have warmed to him. But the other thing as well, the whole the problem with Owen's position here is he's sort of getting into arguments about things, even though he's admitted them in his book. So it's, it doesn't really make sense for him to be getting into arguments over what he said when it's. He's written it down in a book and published it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the absolute ins and outs of it. Well, if you could just read it now, we'll hold on. We'll pause, <laughs> we'll pause the pod. <laughs> well, there's loads of weirder stuff to talk about with Michael Owen. Like he's uh, he doesn't watch films. I think he's watched six I films think, in his yes, life. Yes, I think we've we've talked. About he said that he before. can't. Um, talked about that. He said he can't get. Into I think the... he's watched six. It's something like he's watched six films and five of them were Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He, um, uh, his mum uh, controlled his bank account until he was uh, 35, I think. He was 38, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I love all of that sort of stuff. He's a really, really weird man. Um, but uh, then again, I don't think Shearer did himself any favours by not, um, not saying anything about anything back to him. You know, Shearer just like... I think Shearer's, he's currently recording a sort of... What are they called when rappers or singers record a, a diss track? Of, a, yeah, he's recording a diss track at the minute. It's it's going to be pretty big when it comes out. I don't know. It's funny because they're both. I mean, forgive me for saying this of uh, you know Big Al, but they're both quite quite boring. Yeah, <laughs> pundits. <laughs> so it's really funny the idea of them um, having an argument. Although I think that Shearer would definitely take Owen a hundred percent. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a sort of glamorous buster. It feels like two driving instructors of going to war. Yeah. No, it's one, um, advice to the sport, one advice to the Sports Direct mug uh, <laughs> studio yeah. mentioned earlier on is that it might be soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, I think that that's um, uh, uh, all the um, police activity is because of the obvious beef that's going on, and that's I think that's hit the streets, you know. Well, this um, is, is live breaking. Sheer is at King's Cross now, topless, shouting, where the fuck are you, Owen? Yeah. It's, like, calling on him to come. Yeah, I think, like, brothers are against brothers. Sheer has been a pretty good pundit of late, I think, quite yeah. entertaining in the last couple of years. I felt quite conflicted when he started as a pundit, because he was dreadful. And it sort of, it tested my loyalty to him quite a bit, but I think he's he's definitely got better. That, that's Ross just going yeah. for a quick laugh on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anything else on the? There's two more the questions. Reverend Joe Kinsella. I really hope he's a reverend. What actually constitutes success for us this season? Is it simply survival, or can we expect a bit more than that based on what we've seen so far? Sort of similar vein, isn't it? Yeah. I would... It's quite... We've not really had a representative sample yet. We played three of what you would consider to be the top five. And then Norwich and Watford. This upcoming game against Brighton, I think, will tell us a bit more about... Basically, are we shit? Because we're not sure. Yeah. Brighton at home. I mean... You really want three points from that, don't you? Yeah. I think, yes. I think look, looking at our situation at the beginning of the season, yes, survival is success. Whether it's the kind of success that will satisfy any Newcastle fan and sort of justify continuing to support the club or at least be enthusiastic about the club is another thing. Yeah. But yes, I think for any team of our sort of current level survival in the Premier League is success. Although I've just got this little feeling that I could see us finishing above where we finished last season. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I might be, be too really I think the best result for us would to be looking in danger of relegation at Christmas so that Ashley has to begrudgingly spend more money on players. Well, there is, there is talk of money being around. Yeah, in the January transfer window. I mean, there's always talk of money being around in future transfer windows. I think we can almost guarantee there'll be talk of the club being up for sale in the January transfer window as well. That's one. But it's also always one. It's yes, that's that's a guarantee. But it's also it's it's one thing to uh, spend money on players. It's another for them actually to produce. Yeah, yeah. Because who who can we attract? All the, we've just attracted Andy Carroll. <laughs> it doesn't get bigger than that. What does he do? Does he just go to like you know when he's going around the club? Does he just go to the sort of medical room and just go? This this seems nice. I'll just yeah. This, this seems like good facilities. This is where I'll be most of the time. Yeah, I don't think he checks anything else out. Yeah, he just yeah. goes there, has a word I- with the physio. Imagine he's ma- I imagine he's made good friends with Jack Colback. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Jack Colback got him back to the club. He said, no, nah, the physio facilities are great now. They've got ice baths. I think you just need someone to play table tennis with on a Saturday. <laughs> it's like, come on, Andy. We've got one more Twitter question from Warhini USA. Probably too late. It's not. But do you think in light of the weekend's results, we could be more optimistic, specifically looking at Norwich and Spurs? Mm. I see what you mean. We lost to Norwich and they beat Man City 
therefore right. we're better than Man City. That's pretty much a fact now. And yes. we beat Spurs. Spurs beat Crystal Palace 4-0. So we're drastically better than Palace. Does that, right, does that stack up to you, Ross? I wish it worked like that. I really do. How else does it work? It does not work like that at all. I think um, uh, it was a re- weird like sort of um, anomaly weekend, wasn't it, with the, uh, the Norwich and the City game? I, th- I thought that that was... Um, I thought it was quite brave of us to say football has to have some consistency. We're willing to still get battered by Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. No. I don't... Not to toot my own horn, but um, I did say when we uh, lost to Norwich that in a few weeks' time that could end up not looking like such a bad result because yeah. I thought they could do quite well this season. And let's just say I have phenomenal insight. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your insight for the Brighton game then? Yes. Good steering. It's good to have you back on board. Ross. That was um, a good link. Um, Took that corner uh, at speed. No, even no. Right on my bike. <laughs> that was incredible. That was um, <laughs> that was Michael Owen level pundit. <laughs> um, the guy who runs the podcast studio just—you can't hear it, Fergus—but he just popped his head around the door. Pointed at Ross and went, "You're going to go far, kid." In this game, <laughs> yeah, no, you might get. Um, if we're not careful, I'll get head hunted. Um, by, um... I, I don't hear you answering the question. Fergus, <laughs> Political right, okay, insight right, as well. Okay, wow. Grilling. It's like Paxman, mm, but for sport. Oh, I think he's getting a big, 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 big for his boots. <laughs> uh, I'll shrink back send, down. Send him down to the reserves. Um, uh, Brighton, okay. Brighton at I home, it's a half-five Saturday game on BT, I believe, or it might be Sky. It is Sky, I think. Oh, every bone in my body is telling me 1-1, but I'm going to go 2-1. I think Andy Carroll's going to come off the bench. <laughs> Whoa. And, and a knockdown from Andy Carroll is going to provide a goal from... No, surely not Almiron. Callback. Almiron. <laughs> Callback. No. Is there any uh, talk about Andy Carroll actually being on the bench? He's in training. They but, earmarked the Liverpool game as being one he could be on the bench for, but that came a bit soon. Yeah. But he is, in I theory, training. I think he might training. be on the bench. So, yeah. And Andy Carroll knocked down. I don't know who will score the goal, but 2-1. Oh. Mm. Nostradamus, Craig, Ross. I, mm. I have a weird feeling we'll win. Actually, wow. I do think, and that's nothing to do with the fact that Fergus has just said it. Um, but I think we will. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a scrappy affair. It's going to be you know I think one nil potentially we'll steal uh. it like we did against Spurs. Um, Brighton don't seem to have a lot to offer at the moment, so um, I think it will just be like a really boring ground out victory. Well, let's hope so. That's the best we can hope for at the minute. My worry is this sort of game, historically, we've not been very good for, I would say, about 10 years since we had a decent left-back at controlling game. Games that we're supposed to dominate, we just don't seem to have the tools for it, which I think is why we looked better mm. against Spurs away than we did Watford at home, because we just can't dictate. Right. I wonder if we'll go back to four at the back 
I think if we want to play Shelby, it can't be in the system we're playing currently because he just he went missing against Liverpool. But it'll be interesting to see if Bruce can solve that dilemma because nobody. Like, can you remember the last time we had a team under the cosh, sort of just relentlessly attacking? I, it has been, I would say, a decade since anyone we played yeah, has been doesn't. anywhere near the cosh. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't spring to mind. I think maybe at, at some point in that season where we had uh, Wijnaldum and Sissoko. Maybe. I think they were. Even in the championship, was, it's hard to think of many times. Possibly Spurs. we got Spurs. relegated that season. But at the beginning of that season, there was, there was wasn't there a game when Wijnaldum scored four. Right? Yes, I think there was one game where we got four. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I have high hopes for... Um, St. Maximin, if he ever actually yeah, if he returns. plays consistently for us. Atsu has been quite yeah good this season. Well, Atsu set up our goal as well against Liverpool, mm-hmm. winning a header or like chesting it down, which for a man who is, I think, three foot five, something like that. Yes. Three foot, yeah, three foot five, I think it is, yeah. It's pretty yeah. good going. I'm going to go, I worry Brighton are going to win it 1-0. I think if it was under Chris Hooten, that would probably be more likely. But yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 Brighton, and it'll be crisis crisis in the Sports Direct mug. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I think the possibility of Shelby and Carroll playing together is quite, uh, quite an exciting prospect, really. <laughs> For fans of fights. Well, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, they're both quite volatile, aren't they? But I mean, like, you know, Shelby's yeah. quite a playmaker and Carroll is someone who, you know, benefits from crosses. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting seeing Carroll come back, whether he can still be classed as a footballer or not, because nobody's really sure. Mm. Like West Ham fans from last season seem to think he's just spent. That's a good shout, though, the Shelby-Andy Carroll fight. Oh, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, the, the odds of another Lee Bowyer, Kieran Dyer situation must dramatically have dropped if they're, if they're in the same side. But we've got Matt Ritchie as well. It could be three. Oh, that'd be good. Wasn't there a big Andy Carroll, Ryan Taylor situation? Was it Stephen Oh, Stephen Taylor, Taylor yeah. There was, yeah. I think girlfriends were involved. Ta- uh, yeah. Yeah, because I can remember that the injuries that came out of it was Stephen Taylor had a broken jaw and um, Andy Carroll had a broken hand. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stephen Taylor just headbutted his hand, <laughs> surely. I think we've pretty much wow. covered everything there. It's been Pretty much. It's been wonderful to talk to you, Fergus. It's been good to have you back, Ross. Thank you very much. It's been great to be back. Thank you for having me. Could you, could you say that like you mean it, please? Oh, I, I, I do mean it. I do mean it. And Fergus, I hope everything's going well over there in Canada. Um, are there any of these biscuits that you miss? Do you want me to send any? This is all turning very um, sincere. <laughs> <laughs> it's all getting quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think that's as good a place as any to end it. But, uh, yeah, send in questions before next week's pod. And hopefully we'll be talking about demolishing Brighton. But thanks very much to you, Ross. Thank you. Thank you to you, Fergus. Thank you. 
That was a, that was a proper news delay there. <laughs> Foreign correspondent Fergus <laughs> Craig. <laughs> and thank you to you, the Natter listeners. Goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.